You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robert Washett, and Nate Klaus. Uh, pleased to bring in Husker Online intern Allie Snow as it's time for the mailbag. And, um, you know, slow slow time of year, but still lots of questions going on with recruiting and basketball and spring football on the horizon. Allie, what do you got to lead us off with this week? So a couple um, coaching questions. The first one is this might have been stated, but will there be any other additions to the staff other than Snyder? There was some rumors about possibly an offensive analyst. Yeah, I mean, the analyst thing is – pretty open-ended I mean they can I mean I don't think there's a limit you can have as many as you want so um, they they just lost Jack Cooper a defensive analyst um, you know to Rhode Island he was a defensive coordinator there and they did post an offensive analyst role um, but it, it's hard to say what direction they go I mean they can pay these guys though anywhere from like 60 70,000 all the way to 150 200,000 um, you know Nate it's almost like um, an additional coaching staff now when you have these analyst guys that are paid like what assistant coaches were paid about 10 years ago. Yeah, 10 or 15 years ago, I mean, these uh, these analysts were making almost regular coaches' salaries. And I'm sure, I'm sure the, uh, you know, the coaches that were on those national championship uh, Nebraska teams look at what these analysts are making now and like, hey, we, we didn't even make that much money. But um, yeah, it's it's changed so much, but yeah, they definitely need a defensive one uh, to re- to replace Cooper. Um, and yeah, there's been talk about an offensive one, but who? I mean, who knows what what direction they go? Um, They're really not well publicized either. Mm-hmm. It's not like Nebraska sends out a release, even when they hired like the guy from A and M. What was that guy's name that was on Riley's staff? He's a former head coach. Uh, remember the the older analyst they had. Um, that Riley brought in after Bob Elliott had passed. I mean, they didn't even make a really big deal mm-hmm. about Gary. Um, now I'm blanking on what yeah, his name Yeah, I'm totally was. blanking on that. Yeah. He was the older guy that when he'd run out of the press box at, at halftime, you'd see him like about a mile behind Bob Diaco. Huh. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't know either. But, but <laughs> I'm yeah, going to look it up just because I'm actually. Well, okay, regardless of what they do, I think you're foolish not to take advantage of that type of role because – uh, I mean, you look, you're, you're a program that is trying to compete with the, the best of the best, and you have the resources to do it, and this is an avenue to where you can bolster your coaching staff and get uh, an immense amount of experience from all different um, you know, walks of the game, uh, and you can just have that at, as your disposal beyond uh, the limited full-time coaching positions. And so I think that's got to be it's – it's a theme that's already uh, going across college football, and like I said, I think Nebraska would be um, you know, ill-advised not to take advantage of that, especially if they have the resources to do it. If Martinez is limited in the spring, does that open the door for Luke McCaffrey or Smothers to potentially take the starting job from Martinez? Oh, and don't forget about uh, Noah Vedrill. I mean, I think everyone wants to just dismiss Noah Vedrill um, because he doesn't have maybe the recruiting resume um, of some of these guys. Um, but any one of those guys, yeah. I mean, it, it will be interesting. I think one thing is certain, and I think we'd all agree, um, it, it, we're not going to know who the quarterback is coming out of the spring. I mean, I, I think – um, it's going to go all the way up until the game week. And, and, that, and that's probably um, how Nebraska wants to play things. They're, they're not going to you know, come out of the spring and say, and Adrian Martinez will be our starter for the third year in a row. I think they have to keep this thing open as long as they can 
because you got to expect even a Smothers is going to make a very, very, very big jump. Well, as it should be. I mean, there's no reason to just say this is our starter because he's the starter of the past two years. I mean, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, not only just from the fans, people that want to see an open competition at that position, but I think internally, you know, within your locker room, if you just assign a guy a starting role and not have him have to earn it in practice, you know, that. I Players notice that, and it's going to probably extend to, well, I'm a wide receiver, and I see that they just give starting spots to guys without, you know, having to, you know, I go out there and, and win it every day in practice. And so I think that just even if, like, you know in the back of your mind who your guy is, you have to let the competition play out throughout spring, uh, throughout summer conditioning, and throughout fall camp uh, just to send that message that, you know, no matter who you are, no matter what your profile is on this team, you've got to go out and earn it every day. And if you don't, there's someone behind you that's going to take your job. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think the, the quickest way to kind of start turning guys in the locker room is is to not have spots be open for, for competition. Um, I mean, I mean, if you're a backup, do you really want to go and, and kill yourself every day at practice um, grinding if you know that there's no way that you are ever going to have a chance at, at getting that spot? I, I don't think so. And So I think quarterback's going to be open. I think a lot of positional positions will be open. Um, which is, you know, and they'll probably try to downplay a lot of that, but uh, I think there's going to be a lot of competition across the board this spring. And that former head coach, by the way, the analyst, Gary Dar- Darnell, and he, and he had mm. been a head coach at A&M, Florida, and Western Michigan. I, I, I wanted to say Gary Barnett, but I knew that wasn't it. Yeah. Gary, Darnell. Gary Darnell. He was a longtime MAC head coach and interim head coach at both Florida and Texas A&M. Nice. Next question, who starts at outside linebacker? Any serviceable pass rushers next year? I think today, I mean, JoJo Doman, you know, is where you start on one side and then Garrett Nelson would be the other. But I, I think there's another a number of guys coming in this recruiting class that are going to push. Um, you know, there, there are some other guys currently on the roster as well that could make a big jump this spring. But I think coming into the spring, that's where I would start. Yeah, and I, th- I think you have to kind of look at um, the ju- junior college ranks first. You know, these guys that uh, that have experience under their belts, uh, like a Nico Cooper. Uh, I think that's somebody that's going to have an opportunity to come in and play an, aw- an awful lot. And, I mean, shoot, that's why they went to junior college to get this guy um, is, is because they feel like he can come in and, and play early. Um, you know, and, and I think, you know, Jamari Butler's got a chance to, to do some things, but I don't know if he'll be ready quite – uh, you know, right away, but uh, definitely Nico Cooper is, is somebody that I would keep a close eye on. Yeah, it definitely seems to be a position where uh, the window is going to be wide open for one of those new guys, whether it be junior college or even, you know, a true freshman to work his way up the ladder. Yeah, there's one guy we forgot to mention too, Caleb Tanner. Um, you know, what, what's he going to be? I mean, yeah. this is kind of a make or break. Well, a big, this is a big spring yeah. Yeah. for him to, to kind of get it going. Otherwise, a Nico Cooper or I mean, Jameen Grand too, I haven't heard his name once, so I don't know what to expect out of him. Blaze Gunnerson's here, too. Well, yeah. And Jamari and, Butler. And Gunnerson's coming off of the, the hip surgery, so I don't know if we'll necessarily hear a lot about him this spring. Uh, but he, he, he certainly could be somebody in the fall. All right, we got time for two more, Allie. What's the word on facility upgrades besides the new football complex on Nebraska's campus? Well, Bill Moose kind of hinted at some things in the horizon. I thought one of the more interesting ones he talked about on his radio show is the swimming complex. Nebraska's current swimming complex was built in the 70s. It's not a full-size Olympic pool. The seating, the lighting, the air quality, it's it's a very, very dated facility. Um, all things considered. Um, I think the plan that they're, they're hinting at on that is they want to team up with campus recreation and make it a pool that 
the university shares with athletics. And I think that's how you go about building something so expensive. But you also got to make it big enough to host state swimming and other things like that. Um, so that that's on the horizon. Golf mm-hmm. still has something that they're working on, Moose Hinton on. It's very, very close to being announced. I think there's going to be an innovation campus hitting facility built for golf. I know that was something Moose has already kind of spilled the beans on. And then football, as we know, uh, will break ground early spring. Um, you know, early or late spring, early um, summer. And then the new track, um, they will compete on the current Edward track one more season. They want to have the new track done for the start of the 2021 outdoor season. Yeah, Nebraska's apparently putting its money where its mouth is now. All that Big Ten money is going to use. Well, I've heard a lot of different things about golf. I think that's one, to me, that I'm, I'm interested to see exactly what happens there <clears throat> because um, – I've heard that they, I mean, there's going to be drastic changes there. So, uh, so we'll see. I, I, but um, with the with the football facility, that they're going to be breaking ground on that this June, right? May, June, yeah. I mean, into the school year, and you know, then obviously, would it be about a, a eight a full eighteen to twenty four months? Yeah, I think eighteen months from whenever they break ground. Is and what the, g- gymnastics will be in their new facility in the next 10 to 14 days. So, oh, wow. um, it's ready. Uh, the moose said the equipment hasn't arrived yet. That's why they can't go in there. <laughs> of course. Final question. All right. Favorite Kobe memory. Whew. Um, probably the early one where him and Shaq kind of arrived. And I mean, it was a real, people forget that Portland trail blazers team that they beat. I think for Shaq and Kobe to get their first title, that was a loaded team. I mean, that team was better than the Lakers were. And Kobe and Shaq rose up, and um, there was an alley-oop. Was Kobe, did he catch it from Shaq? No, he ooped it to Shaq. He ooped it to Shaq. That play was kind of like a turning point of an era in the yep. NBA because I think Portland would have won the championship if not for that little momentum run that, that the Lakers had there. Yeah, I think that the one thing that stuck out to me that really, I think, emphasized Kobe Bryant as a competitor was when he chose to participate with Team USA in the Olympics. Um, Especially 2012. Yeah, when that, he came that back. was the year when like no, all the other guys were spurring it, you know, focusing on staying healthy and getting ready for the season. He was the one guy that was ready to put that Team USA jersey on his chest and, and go rep his country. And I earned a lot of respect, or he earned a lot of respect with me uh, for that and kind of the selflessness he showed for a figure that big and, and prominent in the NBA world to uh, put all that aside and, and go play for his country, I think was a big deal. And he even played in the 07 World Championships, which mm-hmm. now the, the big A-listers don't play the World Championships. They come back and just do the Olympics. Competitors want to compete. And man. so he played in the 07 World Championships, the 08 Olympics, and the 12 Olympics. And people forget in 08, the USA was beaten in 04 mm-hmm. um, by Greece or, you know, yeah, they were, they were struggling for a while. I mean, the European teams were taking uh, a big step on them. And so, and a lot of that had to do with that moved away from NBA players, the best of the best playing for their country because of financial reasons. It, I definitely remember the, the alley-oop to Shaq. Um, and then beyond that, I, I think the, obviously eight, the 81 in one game is just unreal. Uh, I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's incredible. But to me, I think one of the th- biggest things that stands out is uh, when he ruptured his Achilles and then he, <laughs> he got up and shot his free throws and made them both before leaving the game. I mean, that's, that's incredible. I, I can't even fathom the, you know, the, the type of mental toughness and, and competitiveness that it would take to, to actually do that. What about you, Allie? Do you have any Kobe memories? I was going to say what Nate said because that game, too, was it was against the Warriors, I think. And, like, ultimately, you know, they went on and won that. 
and clinched a spot in the playoffs, which just shows, you know, the game was like on the line um, when he ruptured his Achilles and it was just do anything to win. So that had to be. And of course, the his last game, the 60 points, mm-hmm. like can't forget that. All right. Well, that wraps it up from the mailbag. Thank you, Allie. Yep. No problem. All right. When we come back, more recruiting talk with Nate Klaus. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.